Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to the 495th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team and other fabulous moments. Get you daily reading from me and other writers. Excuse me. Uh, no reading at the moment. I have to remember to uh, not say that anymore. Um, chat room is open. Come on in if you'd like. Uh, discuss amongst yourselves if you want to. I have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And uh, as we move forward here, transfer news has been popping up, popping around uh, in world football. Now, made official today, Paul Ariola had signed a loan deal to play for Swansea over in uh, the English leagues. And uh, it looks like they're going to be making a push for at least um, promotion of some sort. I don't remember what league they're in currently. I'll just take a quick look. But, you know, after what Paul Areola has done, um, in the last two friendlies, of course, uh, the El Salvador one at the end of last year and the uh, Trinidad and Tobago this year, the way he has played so far, you know, this call-up, or shall I say not so much a call-up, but this loan deal has been huge for him. Very, very, very big call-up. And, of course, uh, he'll the club, it looks like they're going to try and move up to the champion, uh, from the championship to the prem, back to the Premier League. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. Plus, we need to take a look at the um, table to see where Swansea is right now. But if they're making a push, then by all means, by all means, I say, you know, why not? Paul Ariola has done many good things. He's been playing the uh, Liga MX for the many years before he came over to D.C. United. It's a lone move right now. Uh, and for Ariola, I, all I can say is this. If he stays at Swansea, I think it's a great move. If he stays. Don't know if he will stay or not, but at the moment it's a loan deal. Um, great stuff to see on that one. We'll have to wait and see what the situation will be. But outside of that, looking up through Twitter, um, I haven't received an official email from the New York Red Bulls. Take it with a grain of salt if you'd like. Uh, this is information. This is news coming through. It's been going around uh, through Twitter today, of course. Kaku, um, apparently, which he has always wanted out ever since just, I guess, ever since um, the rumor is that you know, he wants out. He wants to go leave the Red Bulls, go play somewhere else. Um, you know, remember the second season of the MLS that he came to, he already said he wants to leave the Red Bulls and go play for Club America, Club America in the Liga MX. And of course, that never happened. So apparently, Kaku, and like I said, take it for a grain of salt because I have not, I repeat, I have not had any information from the New York Red Bulls about Kaku leaving the club. And it says here, translated from a Mr. Jaime Ojeda, and Mr. Jaime Ojeda covers MLS for uh, Safara Sports, Salamas Soccer. He has said that New York Red Bulls will sell Kaku for $3.5 million to Saudi Club Al Tawan Adventure uh, with more shadows than lights in MLS. He goes out the back door without standing out 
And after months of forcing himself to leave unsuccessful, um, they take a load off themselves. It was a burden. And let me just say this right now. Like I've said, to just take it with a grain of salt. Because once you get confirmation from the New York Red Bulls, then it's fact. And the club from Saudi Arabia has already posted video all these kids playing soccer, uh, everyone jamming up in a parking lot to watch their club, getting, getting ready for the food, getting ready for the games at the stadium. And they've already put up highlights videos of Kaku getting ready to play for their club. Let me just say this. I don't right now I don't think it's true. Right now I don't think it's real. But once we get confirmation from the New York Red Bulls, then we can move forward. But until then, we're just gonna have to wait and see what will be the next steps of Kaku playing for the New York Red Bulls. I don't know. But let me just say this. We've all known he's been wanting a transfer as quickly as possible. We all know he wanted out very quickly. He wanted to go somewhere else. He tried to orchestrate a move to Club America and Liga MX. Well, that didn't happen. And now we're seeing Kaku looking to force his way out again. But then again, we don't know what the uh, real the real situation is. And let me also say this. We have seen in the past some of these clubs that, have, you know, outside of MLS, they have forced themselves out or forced themselves to take players without properly coming to talk to the clubs in MLS to take their players and put them in their positions. Kyle Lauren is the last one I remember. I understand he wanted to play abroad. We all understand you want to play abroad. You feel like you want to be in a better position. Went to Besiktas in Turkey. But once again, as I've said, once again, these clubs outside of MLS... No matter where in the world they are, they have tried to go underhanded to take these players away from us. Look, I think we all understand MLS is a selling league. We all know this. But it's got to be done the right way. The right way. If you continue to do this, I mean, look, FIFA has to step in and fine these clubs heavily, heavily, fine these clubs heavily for trying to take away the players who have signed a contract, play in our league, go out. And teach them a lesson that they cannot go behind the back door and take away these players. I understand these players want to play in Europe. I understand these players want to play abroad. I understand they want to play in the best leagues in the world. Liga MX, of course, is a solid, fantastic league in our era, in our hemisphere. They have more money, more of this, more of that. They, I, mean, I mean, we all know this. Great, great players that they can develop in a blink of an eye. Players that play in MLS, American players, they will come find a way to leave when they feel their time is ready to leave the American leagues and USL championship league one, as well as MLS to go abroad. Their time will happen. It will happen. It's going to happen, but they have to be patient when it does happen. 
All I am saying is is that these players that have come over, all these players that have come over from other countries and other leagues to be in MLS. Your turn will come. You've got to be patient. You've got to be patient to let it, to let it happen. That's all I am saying. That's it. You'll get your chance. You'll get your turn. But once again, once again, these clubs that are continuing to undermine and be underhanded to ML to players and buy them out to take them away from our clubs and MLS, they have to be punished. They must be punished. It's not official until FIFA says so. The ITC, the International Transfer Certificate, is the most important piece of paper that must be looked at, must be considered, must be taken before any move is official. Whether this is true or not, FIFA must have the transfer paper or else this means nothing. Absolutely nothing. And until the New York Red Bulls officially posts it on their Twitter account, this means nothing. But let me just say this about Kaku. I don't know if he thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I don't know if he thinks that, you know, he can just come in for a year and then leave. The truth is this. He, as great of a talent as he is, as technically gifted as he is, the truth is is that one year does not mean you can just pack up and run away. After one year, you are demanding a transfer out. Even after two years, maybe even after three years. To me, what he has done, well, actually, let's be honest, three years, two and a half you want to think about because of the pandemic. But the truth is, you can't assume that you're going to be taken right away as soon as possible. It, it, it just can't be done. He wanted out? Well, then you should have just said, let me go. Let him go back to Huracan on loan. And then he could have gone somewhere else. I just feel like he has been petulant. I understand contracts these days are not worth the piece of paper they're printed on, even written on. But what are we going to do as supporters? As supporters of a club that you pay your hard-earned money to watch, watch these players play for your club, put on your shirt. Does that mean anything anymore? No, it doesn't. There is no honor. And that's the one thing that bothers me. There is no honor. Is it the way of life? Unfortunately, yes it is. So until we get real confirmation from the New York Red Bulls and from FIFA that they have received their ITC, so we can go to that Saudi club, at the moment I declare a rumor I don't believe in it right now. I will believe it when I see the New York Red Bulls officially say this transfer has happened. And that's all I can say about it right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, great show for you tonight. Later on tonight, very soon, in about 15 minutes, we will talk to Adrian Healy, who is the former play-by-play broadcaster 
of ESPN for MLS and international soccer. And then, uh, but until we get to him, CONCACAF has released information about their Champions League for 2021. It will be a late start uh, for CONCACAF as they await MLS. And of course, right now with the uh, labor dispute going on and hopefully we will have something before the lockout begins from MLS which they've already said Friday February 5th is the official date to lock out the players until this repurposing of the collective bargaining agreement signed and ratified by both sides real quickly uh, we're going to give you the clubs that have qualified for the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League um, currently, pot two, we're going to go from pot two, the teams ranked 9 through 16. Uh, we'll discuss those clubs first uh, in the pot two. Uh, that'll be drawn for pot, for pot B. Uh, Deportivo Saprissa, as well as Aluenza of Costa Rica, uh, have qualified. Atletico Pantoja from the Dominican Republic. Ar- Archane. FC from Haiti, they're going to the CONCACAF Champions League. Club Deportivo Marathon and Club Deportivo Olympia have qualified, representing Honduras. Club Leon, Mexico, and Real Esteli FC from Nicaragua has qualified for the CONCACAF Champions League. No clubs from Guatemala right now. Uh, because of the suspension that they had to be uh, handled with, of course, when the uh, government of Guatemala took over the uh, the FA. Of course, FIFA had to run the FA uh, on Guatemala. So that handled that right there. Uh, right now, in representing Mexico, where we talked about Leon, they are going to be in pot B and pot A or in pot one uh, being drawn for spots in pot A uh, in Mexico. Club America gets another shot. Cruz Azul and Monterrey will be moving in. Uh, MLS clubs that have qualified, of course, Atlanta United, uh, which they were designated by U.S. Soccer because of the U.S. Open Cup spot, that there was no U.S. Open Cup tournament played. The Columbus Crew, the 2020 MLS Cup champion, the Philadelphia Union, the uh, Eastern Conference regular season champions, as well as the Supporter Shield winners, and of course the Portland Timbers, who are the Western Conference regular season champions, advances into it. Now, we have a uh, situation with the Canadian side of things. Forge FC of the Canadian Premier League or Toronto FC of uh, MLS. Of course, Toronto FC, I believe, uh, they won uh, the Canadian Championship uh, section for uh, MLS clubs playing in Canada for the amount of matches that they have, the six matches that they played against their respective sides, of course, against Montreal Impact and Vancouver Whitecaps. Toronto had the most points in that one. The Canadian Premier League had their own thing. And now you have a final which will be played sometime this February or March before the uh, CONCACAF Champions League begins. I believe it's either a one-leg or a two-leg, but I believe it'll be a one-leg final uh, between Hamilton Forge FC and Toronto FC. And the winner will officially grab the Canadian spot in pot one and, of course, being drawn in pot A. So we will wait and see what happens there. But the most important thing here is this. CAF has released their schedule of how this will work. On Wednesday, February 10th, will be the official draw of the CONCACAF Champions League, which I'm assuming you'll be able to see it on TUDN or on Univision and hopefully Fox Sports 2 or Fox Sports 1 as uh, Fox Sports is the English language uh, broadcaster for the CONCACAF Champions League. Now, here is how the schedule sets up, and it's pretty interesting to see what's going to happen. Uh, from Because they're going to start in April instead of end of February, 
this particular year. In April, the beginning of the month, on after the first weekend of matches in MLS, April 6th through the 8th, which is Tuesday through Thursday, will be the first leg of the round of 16. The second leg will be on April 13th through the 15th, the return leg. Then the quarterfinals moves on to the end of April from the 27th through the 29th, and then the, that's the first leg of the quarterfinals. The second leg of the quarterfinals will be on the week of May 4th through the 6th. Now, here's where it gets interesting. And, you know, I, I have to say this. It, it has to be said that this is kind of gutsy and at the same time strange. But I, I just have to say this. And I really think... It's an interesting situation because of the pandemic that happened last year, of course, that they had to finish up the entire tournament, CONCACAF, this past November. The first leg of the semifinals will be in August between the 10th through the 12th for the first leg. And then the second leg of the semifinals will be in September through the 14th, excuse me, on the 14th through the 16th. And then the final will be on a day between the 26th and the 28th of October, the championship final, and it will be a single leg event. One game, final. Every time we have seen the the championship final, of the CONCACAF Champions League, or even the Champions Cup, it has always been a two-legged event. It's always been two games. They have decided to go with a single game to determine the champion. Now, this means, in my opinion, that we will have a neutral site Final, like what UEFA does for their Champions League. And if that is the case, if that is the case, then that's a big improvement, in my opinion, when it comes to the final, the championship final. As of right now, I will say this. Many fans from Mexico... And we have to say, I've seen them complain about this on Twitter. This is an advantage for MLS to win a championship, a continental title. That is not the case. That is not the case at all. Because the truth is, is that MLS teams, while they are going to be in the heart of their season, towards the back end, getting ready for a playoff run, the truth is, is that I still consider Liga MX sides stronger than MLS sides financially. As of right now, whether their arguments are valid or not, it takes a lot of chutzpah, a lot of chutzpah for CONCACAF to pull this off, to have matches beginning at the, at the beginning of April, ending at the beginning of May, and then you have many months ahead of nothing, and then you continue it in August, September, and then December. Excuse me, August, September, and then October. I went, I overspoke. I apologize. This is a situation where, if they are testing the scheduling for their Champions League here in Concacaf, if Victor Montagliani is looking to improve the tournament, well, the easiest solution is this, for this region. Bring back the group stage. Bring the group stage back. Have your draw in February. Start matches February, March, April. Spread it out. Make sure that these clubs 
have a fair chance to perform, go out positions, give those designated positions a fair shot of fighting for the knockout stage. Because let me just say this right now. I don't mind the way that the schedule has been uh, brought out. It's okay. I don't see anything wrong with it. But I understand the problems. I understand the arguments made by fans of Liga MX. But, you know, if we're going to have something like this, then let's just call it what it is. Bring back the group stage. Start it off in February, April, and March for group stages. Do the knockout stages August, September, October. And let's really see And let's really be fair about this. Who will be the champions of the North American, Central American, Caribbean zones if this confederation? Let's really go out there and show the world that this confederation has truly grown up. Understand completely why You want to have everything in February, March, April because you want to have it end almost at the same time as UEFA does. Sometimes you can't just do what UEFA does. It is a dip. We are a different hemisphere. Everything is done differently. It's time to grow up some more. And it's just time to say, let's bring back the group stage. We start it in February, March, April, the group stage. And then we move on to the knockout stages in August, September, and October. That is, in my mind, the fairest way to crown a champion of this confederation. And then you're ready to go in December for the FIFA Club World Cup. I mean, I don't know how much more you can explain it. I do like the one-match final, but it's got to be in a neutral zone, in a neutral country, neutral everything. The pitch probably won't be great if you play it in the main stadium, the National Stadium of Honduras. It probably won't be great um, in El Salvador. It might be just a speck of land in Jamaica. It could be a dirt field in the Dominican Republic or Suriname, wherever. Truth is, it's time to grow up. Time to grow up and let's go get it. Let's make this the greatest Champions League tournament not just in this confederation, but to show the rest of the world that this confederation is no longer the backwards land of this world. I just believe that is what needs to happen. This is what needs to happen. This is what has to happen. And all I can say is, all I can say is is this. It's just time to grow up, and it's time to become a bigger player, which we are. I'm talking about CONCACAF. We've got to be a bigger player now and move forward. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's about that time to bring in my guest tonight. Of course, he is the... uh, 
former play-by-play voice of uh, professional soccer on ESPN. Now he is going to be a part of the new expansion side that will start in this season in 2021, Austin FC. I've met him many, many times. I love how he calls a match, and he is the one and only Adrian Healy joining us tonight. Adrian, good evening. Thank you very much, and I hope you're staying safe and strong uh, throughout this pandemic. Oh, good evening to you, Daniel. Thanks ever so much for having me. And uh, yes, indeed. So far, so good on that front. Um, Hope everyone else out there is too. And um, yeah, so far, just loving life in Austin. So you've avoided the Nor'easter. Yeah, well, there's that too. I I wasn't going to rub that in. (laughs) I I don't want to be that guy that kind of sends photos of the sunny climbs where everyone else is suffering. But uh, but I I I feel your pain if you're if you you are getting pounded at the moment. Oh, we're getting pounded here in the northeast. Yep, yep, yep. We're getting pounded. Good, a good 25 inches. You'll be missing. this uh, this wonderful uh, time right now, but don't worry, uh, you'll you'll have it made in the shade down there in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, so, when were you approached by Austin FC to uh, be their play-by-play voice on television, and uh, how has it been so far with the club? Um, well, it, it's it's an interesting. Interesting tale. I don't know if I'd classify it as a tale or a story. I don't even know if it's that interesting. <laughs> but, it, but it was actually sort of, uh, it, it sort of mutated over the course of the, the last year, uh, really. Um, uh, ironically, a year that you know, was, 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 was the year of the pandemic. In fact, in fact, my first ever visit to Austin came literally the weekend before uh, the pandemic struck. It was like the last weekend of February last year. I shouldn't say my first ever visit. My first visit connected to this, this opportunity came at that time. Um, and, you know, I started my career working uh, at, at a local level in MLS for the New England Revolution. And I'd always thought that one day, if the right opportunity came up, that I could see myself going back to that situation. Because I do, do love working for uh, for clubs and teams and, uh, you know, being part of the, the fabric. And uh, But I knew it would take something kind of very, very special <clears throat> to make me want to make another change. And to be honest, Austin was pretty much, it was, it was ideal. I've always loved this city and uh, the moves they made to put the team into place behind the scenes in the front office with the, with the management and with the, uh, you know, the director of soccer as well. I was like, it really caught my eyes. Like, wow, they are doing things right down there. And I knew that this city was just, just primed for a, uh, for an MLS team, a professional sports team, full stop. The fact that there was no sports team in Austin was just just mind-boggling to me. But uh, but anyway, it, it just over the course of the last year, we we started talking, and and it it just felt right, Daniel. It really did. Sometimes you just know when something feels right, and this this absolutely felt right. And obviously, it was a big change, but um, but I, I knew that, also knew this opportunity was only going to come once. I mean, a team like this only starts once. So to get in at the birth of the team was, was a lot of the uh, allure of it. So, so here I am. Oh, listen, I got to tell you, you know, for the last, I would say, what, five years, maybe six years, we've always heard about Austin being uh, the next great city to host or to have, uh, you know, professional clubs of uh, soccer clubs coming in. Uh, We've always seen these um, events being held there like Soccer X, uh, being held yep. in Austin. We already know that they're a great city for music. Um, you know, Austin City Limits, I think, is that PBS program that always has great music acts uh, performing in the town. Uh, why has the boom exploded like this? Well, I think it's, I think it's a, a combination of factors. I mean, I think it was always sort of... Uh, 
one of the one of the sort of two or three homes of the counterculture in 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 this country dating back decades and it's always had a sort of independent sort of uh, very confident entrepreneurial spirit it's always been a young town the university is massive it's a massive part of the fabric of this town UT Austin so you you, you know just just by uh, by that uh, very fact you've got you know so many young people here um the climate is great. The geography is great. Um, I just think, you know, a, a lot of things added up to it being the perfect market for MLS. And 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 quite frankly, it's always been a soccer city, even though it hasn't really perhaps been recognised as that because there was no team here. It's always always been a city that's had a vibrant soccer culture and a huge interest in the game. If you look at some of the ratings from previous big events. Any any World Cup, European Championship, Women's World Cup, uh, Premier League events. If you look at the ratings for cities, Austin is always up there in terms of uh, people watching the sport. So it was it was kind of a, the next natural evolution was for there to be a team here. But quite frankly, the only you know, the only surprise for me is it's taken this long. Uh, and you know, maybe two other teams in Texas was always going to be a little bit of a roadblock in it, in its path but uh, but eventually i mean texas is a big state so so it's going to be great to have great to have three teams in this state and uh talk about some some good local rivalries immediately right off the bat because of that Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, I can't wait to see what will happen when Houston takes on Austin, when Dallas takes on Austin. It's going to be exciting, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh I've seen photos you're there physically. How does the new stadium look? Because I have to tell oh. you, I love everything about it. Yeah, it, it it is a it is a work of art. It really is. They have done it right. Um, it's somehow both um, world class, but also very much of Austin. It, it's got it's it, and I I can't really adequately describe what that means except its colors, its textures, its its feel. Is very much it's very much a stadium of this city. The uh, the design team have done an amazing job, sort of capturing that, and and it is going to be a, a, a fantastic stadium to be a supporter in. Uh, no matter what you are, whether you're whether you're yeah in the in the supporters' end making all the noise, or if you're, you're a high end you know luxury suite customer, the, the, the experience is just going to be superb. Um, and the and the sound design, it's going to keep all the sound in here. They've, they've thought of everything. They've thought of trying to keep people as cool as they possibly can, but also um, the volume was was a big part of their uh, thing. So the, so, the, so the sort of the overhang uh, cantilevers you see on top of the uh, on top of the stand, especially especially designed to keep all the noise in. So it is going to be uh, it's going to be something. I think they've also pitched it exactly right size wise. I mean, twenty thousand five hundred, no more. They can expand it a little bit. Number fifteen hundred, I think they can go to, and you know, if if and when the time is right, and they've certainly got a waiting list of season tickets that they could do that immediately, but they don't want to because they want us to make it kind of, uh, you know, a sought after hot ticket event. And, uh, and, and it, this stadium is going to be absolutely superb. And the grass, even the grass, the grass is Daniel. I've walked on it. It is, it is talk about a billiard table playing surface. All those players they've signed have been slogging away on, uh, on turf over over the years are going to be in for a treat because this is this is a, a surface that's just going to be uh, caressing the ball and the, and the players' feet as well. Eight ball in the side pocket or in the corner pocket? I have to ask the players mm. now since you said it's as smooth as a billiards table. So I'll take your word for it. It really um, is. What level? No, oh, I bet. What what level? Um, is your broadcast position going to be uh, at the new stadium? Well, it's going to be um, at the top of the West Stand. But when I say top, you don't really feel like you're uh, you're that high up. You feel like you're very close to the action. And um, and a really nice design touch was so so. You know, the main broadcast booth is slap bang in the middle of the, uh, of the stadium, which you think would be <laughs> would be 
a given and a, and, a, and taken for granted in any new statement. But believe you me, it's not always the case. Sometimes the, the broadcasters get shunted down to one side because the owner comes in and decides, oh, no, I want that middle space because that's the best seat in the house. <laughs> that has happened in more than one stadium. Uh, that has happened in more than one stadium that built in the last decade, shall we say. Um, but a uh, nice touch was they put all the broadcast booths right next to each other with glass. So all the, all the people broadcasting, whether it's us doing English language, our, our Spanish language colleagues, our radio colleagues, will all be able to see each other in a, in, a, in a row up and down the top of the West Stand, which is, again, a nice touch because often you don't get that. Often it's you know one booth on its own and then there's a, a suite and then there's a, the second booth and then there's another couple of suites and then there's the radio booth. So they're kind of dotted around. So, but the, the Austin have really thought of having all the broadcasters um, <clears throat> gathered together and, and within sight of each other. So that, that'd be tremendous. Oh, I can't wait for that. I mean, that's going to be awesome. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll have plenty of great calls to call for Austin. Now, I, I have to ask you this question. And, and if I'm being a little facetious, I apologize. But did you make Taylor, did you make Taylor cry? Is he missing you now? <laughs> Is it over? Well, when I said I was off to Austin, yeah, crying tears of joy, perhaps. Well, tears of joy that you wouldn't ever have to see my golf game again. That that may be that may be closer <laughs> to the truth. Um, no, I mean I I should actually clear something up. I know I know you said at the top of the show I've left it here. I haven't actually 100% left. I still am available to do um, um, big big games and events for ESPN. That was kind of part of the deal of coming down here. That every now and then, like for instance for the Euros, yeah, if if they ever happen. Oh, of um, yeah. And. The odd, the odd sort of big game here or there, but because you, you know, the the irony is Austin will um, be very much in the in the national TV lens and focus, uh, especially season one. I mean, let, let's face it, ESPN and Fox are going to want to cover them a lot, so there'll be a lot of weekends where we actually don't have a local local broadcast. So, um, so I'm still going to do some stuff for ESPN. So I didn't have to make Taylor cry too much by saying I'm I'm gone okay. forever. He'll, he'll still see me uh, occasionally, but uh, he'll be glad not to see my golf game ever again. And that, that's that's for sure. He's he's a he's a he's a he's close to a pro. I hope you guys know that he's he's pretty damn good. So <clears throat> all I know is is that when he did the whole rant about the loss at Trinidad in the World Cup qualification uh, cycle for Russia, he was ready to go for Shinnecock for three rounds. And I guess that's why he was crying when he had to stay up there. Now I know the reason for the rant. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's <clears throat> unbelievable. Um, in Austin, uh, what is your television uh, for the local broadcasts? Who will you be broadcasting on? Will it be for uh, the Fox Sports Southwest or will you have a local television deal? Well, you you may be about to get an exclusive here, Daniel, because it's not officially going to be announced till till tomorrow morning. In fact, tomorrow is the big announcement day. But I think I can I can I can not uh, ruffle any feathers by telling you it's, it's actually the local um, it's the local NBC affiliate down here, KXAN, uh, who have. Uh, a, a big umbrella of companies. So the CW in Austin, uh, KXAN, which is the NBC uh, local station in Austin, and and they have a third channel, KBVO. So it'll be one of those three stations. We're about to announce the umbrella deal with all of them uh, just tomorrow morning. So uh, if you listen to this podcast, you got to hear that first. How was that? <laughs> And I asked so nicely. <laughs> yes, you did. And how could well, I say no? Yes, because I... you are so nice. <laughs> I mean, it is only a, it well, is only a matter of hours away. So, uh, so yeah, yeah that will be announced tomorrow morning. But yeah, we we're delighted because they're they're obviously it's a big 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 deal to be on uh, the local NBC uh, affiliate. Um, <clears throat> I think most of the games will probably end up being on the on the CW. So yeah. But that's a, that's, a, you know, that's an over the air that's an over the air channel that everyone gets, and that was that was important to us. And and by the way, I think we will also have a, a separate English language deal in the in the, in the market of San Antonio, which is uh, you know a city hour and a half down the uh, down the road. But it is a, it is a separate considered a separate market, and we'll have a mm-hmm. separate broadcast in in that city. So. 
I want to ask you this question, and uh, maybe I should leave it for Mr. Tom Webb, but I want to ask you this question because, you know, you've had your fair <laughs> share of visiting uh, many, many stadiums in the, in, the, in the United States. Obviously, FC Cincinnati is ready to open up a new stadium uh, to start off uh, their 2021 campaign. We all know Columbus Crew is leaving uh, Mopfrey or the original Columbus Crew Stadium to the brand new stadium in downtown Columbus. Um, with everything that's been going on uh, in Texas, and I think Texas has a plethora of beautiful soccer stadiums, not just what Austin has shown, FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo, of course, they have a downtown stadium. San Antonio has a great stadium. Would you say that in the state of Texas, with the amount of soccer-specific stadiums that have been built, one day, and I know the World Cup is coming back here in 2026, but could you see, possibly inside the state of Texas, an under-20 World Cup tournament? If you left it in that state, you mean staging the whole tournament? I mean, if, if yes. it's not 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 just a U.S. under twenty, but but specifically in the state of Texas. Um, well, there's certainly That's enough correct. certainly enough facilities. I mean, for for a U20 World Cup, you probably need what four or five really good high quality facilities, and 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 you know, even if you wanted to make them soccer specific, yeah, there are now. There are now um, at least four, aren't there? So, um, and then you mm-hmm. can throw in some of the some of the NFL facilities if you need to. I, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, there aren't many states you could probably say could host a World Cup by itself, but you know, California, I assume, would be would be one of them. I'm not sure about Florida, mm-hmm. but Texas are probably one of one of the only other ones that where, where you could if you were trying to uh, if you were trying to you know uh, cut out huge amount of travel which would be the idea behind doing that i take it you could mm-hmm. also you know open it up a bit and say texas and you know some of the maybe some of the you know the, the kansas city st louis the sort of central swathe of the country you could open up it a bit more and then you could have you know sort of six or seven venues available so yeah i like i like the idea yeah. and see why not so exactly i don't know if that answers exactly. your question it's well, no, it answers perfectly my question. It does, because I'd like to see this country – Not like I said, look, the World Cup is the biggest uh, party in the world. We all know this, but I would like to see you know, maybe our youth players get an opportunity to play at home uh, for once yeah. in either an under-20 or an under-17 World Cup situation. I mean I know the Olympics are somewhere down the road, the next summer games after Japan um, – that hopefully it will get kicked off the ground. Of course, qualifying will start for next month. But um, you know, I would love to see an under twenty tournament in the states because I think that's the next thing to go, in my opinion. Of course. Um, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it is. Lastly, it is. It, it is I, interesting. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. There hasn't been one yet, isn't there, Daniel? When you consider mm-hmm. yeah. what we have in this country and how well equipped we are, it is, it is interesting. There hasn't been one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Lastly, is this. Um, what was the best goal you've ever called in MLS as uh, an ESPN broadcaster? And at the same time, what was the best game you've ever witnessed in the booth in MLS? Specifically in MLS, um, I, I would come back to a goal which you, you, you kind of remember the sort of scenarios of a, of a game and, and sometimes the goals, the you know, massive goals sort of, Stick in the mind, not so much for the quality of the goal as well, but what what it what it meant. But this goal didn't really mean that much in the grand scheme of things. It was on a on nondescript Friday night in April. It was uh, New York City FC playing away at the Philadelphia Union. We were in the, we were in the 91st minute. New York City had had already basically won the game. They were up one nil. Philly was kind of huffing and puffing, but nothing was really happening. Referee was starting to look at his watch, and then. New York City cleared the ball, and in his own half, David Villa picked it up and and took on a couple of defenders. Got to close to the halfway line, he looked up and he saw Andre Blake a little bit off his line, uh, or quite a bit off his line, up near the edge of his penalty, and he just decided to launch it, <laughs> and he just <laughs> floated this perfect 
chip from about well, well what was it over 60 65 60 yards and and just it just andre blake scampered back he got back onto his line he jumped up despairingly got grazed his fingertips but couldn't stop it going in and, and david via just produced an absolute piece of uh wizardry and he the funny thing is he he later admitted he only took the shot because he was too tired to run he's like oh no I can't. I can't run. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna give it a wallop from here. And uh, boy, what a what a wallop! So uh, that that was uh, that was something really rather special in terms of uh, in terms of individual goal. In terms of games, God, I mean, there there are really so many that that that, that, that spring to mind. Perhaps perhaps um, perhaps one that wouldn't be immediately obvious that that that. Is one that I will always remember is, is MLS Cup uh, 2013, and that was the, the frigid nine-degree final in Kansas City between Kansas City and RSL, where it was just, it was just, you know, just so extreme in, in, in all manner of ways. Uh, and the game perhaps wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing, but it was gripping, it was raw, it was, it was like everyone was just laser focus on what was going on just to stay alive <laughs> and it was 1-1 and of course it went to extra time and then went all the way to penalties and then went deep into a penalty shootout and then it was it, the penalty shootout was just the most dramatic ever it went I think it was 8-7 in the end and we had they, both teams had chances to win it and didn't they hit the underside of the bar keepers made saves it was just just extraordinary and then of course in the end Kansas City managed to pull it out and win it at home and 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 just that just that frozen that frozen memory so so not the most brilliantly played game ever in MLS but but it it's still one that sticks in the memory just because of everything everything that surrounded it well let me just say that that's that's wonderful memories from you um you know followed your broadcasting career closely um and I'll leave you with this the best call you have ever made, in my opinion, was in during the Euros. I forget which one it was. It had to do something with uh, food and kitchen utensils. <laughs> I think I, I think I know what you mean. I think I'm still living this one down. I, I, I can tell you exactly what it was. It was uh, <laughs> the 2008 Euros and the, and the yeah. and the Dutch getting one over on the French. Yes. That's I don't know correct. If you need me to repeat what I said, but I wasn't. I, I also wasn't do. fully aware of the. Please con- do. I also, I, I also wasn't fully aware of the connotations of what this actually was, as uh, as it came out of my innocent mouth. But uh, as as the Dutch scored, uh, I think it was Wesley Schneider, and they yeah, they walloped the yes. French in this game, and it was. Uh, it was three. I think it was three-one, and Schneider scored right at the end to, to complete the route to make it four-one. And I said, uh, "It's a Dutch oven, and the French are toast." And, and I had yes! no idea that there was. I had no idea that there was another uh, meaning to Dutch oven. Somehow that that fact had eluded me, even though I'd been in this country plenty of time already. I should have known that, but I didn't. And of course, <laughs> everyone was immediately uh, breaking down in hysterics in the, in the control room. Is that what you ju- did? You just say Dutch oven. I'm like, yes, anything wrong with that? Well, I still get reminded <laughs> of that call 12 years later. So, and you've done it again, Dad. So thanks very much. <laughs> hey, listen, it was a memorable moment. I laughed my head off and the rest of my body. And I just had to repeat it over and over and over again. So, um, look, you made it as memorable as it should have been. Thank you for the memories. Good luck in Austin. And hope to have you back on as soon as possible. You have a good night, Adrian. Be careful and be safe tonight. Thank you very much indeed, Daniel. A pleasure. Any time. See you. Thank you. All right. Take care. It's Adrian Healy. Of course, uh, broadcast play-by-play voice now for Austin FC. Uh, Just wanted to bring that out because, you know, I've never forgotten it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And this man is definitely a professional. Definitely a a great job that he does calling games. It's, you know, I've met him personally a couple different times. Uh, at Red Bull Arena, 
when I was able to bump into him over at the uh, training facility for the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena, one time at Yankee Stadium for the uh, uh, Hudson River Derby. Uh, great man. Just love talking to him. He he does a wonderful job, and uh, gr- uh, congrats to him for making this move. Of course, he'll still be doing some ESPN matches for the Euros and probably other big matches as well, but you know what? Great job by him. Uh, hope he enjoys his move and everything else going forward. So, as we uh, starting to wrap it up here um, on the show, I just have to say that you know, when it comes to the uh, collective bargaining agreement, obviously um, there is still communication between the players' association and the league. This is a tough thing to see. Um, another collective bargaining uh, conversation, all because of the pandemic. I kind of understand where the league is going on this a little bit. I'm not saying I'm siding with them. I understand what they're trying to do, but I think the way they've done it has been it's been very very difficult to see them pull this off. It's been very difficult to see them pull this off. I just cannot see this as a positive thing for the next round of collective bargaining agreement negotiations being as friendly as it has been the last time they've been in negotiations. I, I, I just find it very difficult and very, very tough. So all I can say is is that for the uh, for the league and for the Players Association, I hope they can come to an agreement as fast as possible. Um, I understand how the players feel. They feel gutted and jilted. They feel cheated. I understand what the league is trying to do. They don't want to continue to play, uh, you know, in empty stadiums, and hopefully everyone's going to get vaccinated and everyone's going to be able to get out of it as soon as possible. But this is a very tough situation. This is a very difficult situation. And once again, I, I just feel like that, you know, this could have been handled a lot differently. I, f- I, I truly feel like this could have been handled a lot differently. How, I don't know. But the truth is, I just feel like this situation, this particular situation could have been done differently. Come to the table. Let's talk. We're not going to pull anything like this. Um, We're not going to pull this clause that's going to force us to renegotiate and kill off the current CBA. You know, cooler heads could have prevailed. But it's just a situation, once again, where you're forcing something that should have been forced it should have been discussed. It should have been talked about. And then maybe, just maybe, things could have improved. And all the league could have done was was this. We under, you know, we understand how you feel, and what we'll do is, when this pandemic is over, we'll retroactively give you whatever back that you could just give us for now. That's all I'm saying. It could have been a better way of doing things. It probably should have been a better way of doing things. But all I can say is is that it could have been done a lot better and a lot easier and nicer. But sometimes these things do happen. These things might be happening, especially in the time of where we are at the moment. It's just been difficult, and you know, I just believe that this type of situation could have been resolved a lot easier, and maybe we wouldn't be in such a tight deadline the way they are.
But once again, I'm on the outside looking in, just like all of you are. We're trying to get reports down. We're trying to get information down to how these things are happening, why they're happening. It's just been hard, and it's just been difficult. But other than that, this is what we have to endure. So that's it for tonight's show. Uh, I want to thank my guests for – my guest, I should say, for tonight, and Adrian Healy, uh, play-by-play voice now for Austin FC. And it should be uh, a fun time down there. And uh, I want to thank you once again for listening to me tonight. And I hope everyone will have some fun. Um, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Join me this coming Friday night for the first show of the 2021 NPSL Soccer Show. It's going to be exciting and a lot of fun. We'll keep you informed of guests and, uh, and uh, a lot of fun. So have a good evening. Thank you very much. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. Good night, everybody. <laughs>